Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hi. Welcome to Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. We're sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, and today we're going to be talking about the shadow. The shadow knows, and indeed it does, because the thing is that everything that we don't know about ourselves is placed in the shadow. We've got a lot of misconceptions about the shadow that I want to clear up uh, first before we go any further, and that is that first the shadow is the dark side of us. The shadow is much, much more than the dark shadow of us, uh, excuse me, the dark side of us, in fact, what Carl Jung was pressed to say at one point, he was with a bunch of people who were trying to get him to tell them exactly where the shadow was in the unconscious. What, was it the anima? Was it the animus? What part of the unconscious did the shadow reside in? And he finally threw up his hands and said, the shadow is the entirety of the unconscious. And that is exactly what it is. Everything of which we are not conscious is the shadow. That means that the shadow can hold within it a wide variation of things. They're not bad things about us that we don't want to know. They're not good things about us that we don't want to know. They're all the things about us that we don't want to know. So when we think of the shadow as just the receptacle for all the dark things about us, what we think is, well, maybe there's this dark, demonic sinful creature down there inside of me and I really don't want to get to know that guy so I'm not going there and thus we just don't go there but Carl Jung also talked about something called the bright shadow and the bright shadow is that part of us that he would have referred to as the divine child the part of us that is trying to birth our truest nature what some of us call the divine spark within us. Uh, That spark is what gets inspired when somebody says something with which our inner being resonates. That spark will, will help us understand a deeper part of ourselves. But what happens so many times is that we stumble over that spark. We don't realize that it is much bigger than just a spark. We've been taught down through the centuries that it's blasphemous for us to own our own divine nature, that to say that we are also divine is to say, uh, is to slam God. And so we don't say that. And in fact, that's exactly why uh, so many people were against Jesus in his time, and some would say why he even was crucified, because he owned his own divine nature. So we don't do that much. And that also resides in the unconscious or the shadow. So, you see, it runs the gamut from all the things about us that we don't want to know that we might consider to be bad to all the things that we don't want to know about ourselves that really have to do with our divine nature. 
So the shadow is the receptacle of everything about ourselves that we just don't want to know, and that makes it a huge part of us. There's been all kinds of statements out there that say we're only using a third of our brains or a fifth of our brains or a tenth of our brains or 25% of our brains. I've heard lots of different rumors about that. But the truth is that we're definitely not using all of our brains. Don't know how that works exactly, except to say that in the deep of the night, when we're in REM sleep, the unconscious appears before our eyes. And it shows us all kinds of images and symbols that we can use to understand it better. It speaks to us in the language of riddle, and we have to sort of decipher that language a little bit, decode it, if you will, in order to understand what it's trying to say to us. But the most interesting part of that is that any of you who have done dream interpretation understand that when you've interpreted one of your own dreams, you've got this thing inside of you that resonates with the truth of that dream. Something goes, uh-huh, that's it, that's, that's what this dream means. It's not, I guess, that's what it means. You know, sometimes when I'm doing therapy, I have clients come in and, they, and we're talking about the different possibilities of what could be going on with them. And one of us, either myself or them, says, well, maybe what do you think about this? What, what if it's this? And they go, well, I guess that's it. And I go, no, 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 no. It's got to resonate inside. It's got to be a, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm, yep, I know, that's it. Something inside of us knows. That something is very, very important to the process of discovering the shadow. Now, why would we want to discover the shadow? Well, if it's got in there all kinds of things that we don't know about ourselves, then what it's got in there is energy that we need. Because if I've only got a portion of me that's conscious, then I sneak up on myself. I do all kinds of things that I can later say, I was beside myself. Very interesting analogy for the shadow, don't you think? I was beside myself. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't mean to do that. I had no choice. I had to do that. And then we come up on times when we say things, we later have to retract and say, oh, I didn't mean that. I would challenge that. I think maybe we did on some level. And the level is in the unconscious, the part we don't want to know about. So, okay, what is most interesting about the shadow is that there's lots and lots of talk about it these days. Lots of talk. A few weeks back, Carolyn Mace was, uh, Mace was talking to us about the shadow and how if we don't get in touch with it, it gets projected out onto our worlds. And one of the ways that she discussed that that can happen is through politics. Uh, lots of you guys have written to me and uh, told me you had questions about that. And some of your questions are very valid, and I really want to answer those questions today. Because one of the things that got raised was, we're supposed to do something with shadow material. And I think that we do eventually do something with shadow material. But when we start talking about doing, we might be losing being. And that's why it gets real critical for us to really understand what we're up to when we're up to something. So that if I say to myself, well, I've got a shadow, and it's a dark part of me, and I, I really need to be a good person, and I'm afraid that that shadow might be telling me that I've got this badness inside of me because every now and then I get really mad, and I just want to tell the whole world off. Okay, so I'm making this up as I go, but the thing is that we, if, if I've got this shadow part of me that just wants to get mad at the world every now and then, and every now and then appears and shows its ugly head, then... What I think I should do about that is I should go out and be nice and take care of people and be kind and loving and, and sincere and, 
and give to other people and all of that. Well, what's happening in that process is I've made a decision without the discovery process essential to any good decision. You see, if we want to make a decision about where we're going to put our money, especially today, if we want to make a decision about where we're going to put our money in an investment, we're going to look into it very carefully. We don't do that when it comes to deciding what's good and what's bad in our own actions. We don't go through a discovery process. We don't say, well, I'm going to discover what I'm trying to tell myself with my own unconscious behavior and then decide what to do about it. We say, well, I've been bad by being angry, and so I'm going to go be good by being nice. That is not going to help us get more conscious. Now, so the thing is, it isn't about good or bad. We get all lost in those concepts, and that is, in fact, part of the reason why we have split off into conscious and unconscious. We repress what we consider to be unacceptable. <clears throat> Excuse me, some of what is unacceptable to us is um, something that we consider that we don't really like about ourselves, like anger. That's one of those things we often repress. Another one of those things that we find unacceptable is material that we think other people might not like. For example, the divine spark, as we call it, the divine nature, as I call it. We don't want other people to know we're looking around in that stuff because if they know, they might just think we're a little weird. And so we sort of hide it from ourselves so we won't have to reveal it to anyone. So the deal is that if I'm saying to myself, well, I just got to make a decision to be a better person, what I'm doing is foreclosing on the possibility of all the riches I can mine from my own shadow material. And so I've missed the point of the message I was trying to give myself. If every now and then I get angry at the world, and this is just an example of the way the shadow can present. We'll talk about others as we go. If every now and then I get mad at the world, then I need to stop and look at that behavior because it might have a pattern, and the pattern will tell me something about what resides in my shadow material. So if, <clears throat> excuse me, every time I get angry, I'm getting angry at a specific kind of thing. Like, for example, if somebody acts like they don't care about me and I really blow a gasket every time somebody really acts like they just are totally indifferent to me and my needs, well, that might be telling me something. Where did that come from? What is there? What is the message there? Well, one of the messages might be that somebody back in my childhood didn't take care of me the way I should have been taken care of. Most of us didn't get parented the way we were supposed to get parented. I mean, if there's a supposed to out there, then it is when somebody signs up for the job of parenting, they're supposed to get good at it. They're supposed to learn some parenting skills. They're supposed to learn how to tap, tap into their compassion and their wisdom and be appropriate parents for us and our needs. Most parents, lots of parents, I won't say most parents, I'll take that back, lots of parents don't do that. And so we may have something hiding, lurking around back there in the unconscious that might be saying, yeah, you're really, really mad because mom and dad or mom or dad didn't do what they could have done when they had the chance. Okay, that's one place. All right. Now I've discovered that, yes, that anger comes up, and every time somebody doesn't act like they care, there's that button that gets pushed. That got the button got placed in me a long time ago when I was a little kid. All right, that's one level. Now what am I going to do with that? 
Am I going to sit around all the rest of my life saying, you better take care of me or I'm going to, you know, blow up on you? Well, lots of people do. Mom and Dad didn't take care of me, so by God, you're going to do it. And if you don't, you're going to know how to, okay, because I'm going to tell you. So the deal is that what we're saying there is now I've take, looked at a little bit of material in my unconscious, and I stopped right there, and then I externalized it and said, now the external world is supposed to fix for me what my parents didn't fix for me. We stop there, and we get angry at the world, and we say, we are a victim of our past, and the past is going to haunt us for the rest of our lives. How many times have we heard, well, they just had a bad childhood, so that's why they're acting that way. No, that's not why they're acting that way. They're acting that way because they choose to act that way. Okay? And maybe there's lots of shadow material in that action that they haven't looked at, but they're acting that way because they choose to act that way. So there's a whole lot of rich material we can go into greater depth, and we're going to do that right after the break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Authentic Living, and this is Andrea Matthews. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who will work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
are listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome back. This is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living. We've been talking today about the shadow and how the shadow works. We're, um, we are in playing out a game when we play with the shadow and don't really pay attention to what's really going on there. The shadow is really a response from us to us for us. If we live in a conscious world only, what we're doing is saying, I'm going to only know a certain percentage of myself. I'm going to use only a certain percentage of my strengths. I'm going to only provide a certain percentage of myself to the world. But the shadow holds within it all kinds of other strengths. What we need to do is learn how to access the shadow first and then how to respond to the shadow once we know what's in it and then how to use that shadow material. And now we're talking about what Caroline May said about taking it out into the world. In order to take something out into the world and use it in a doing behavior, what we've got to do is we've got to be able to love that thing. We've got to be able to trust that thing. And we don't trust it and we don't love it when we run from it. We're hiding it in the unconscious, hiding it down in the dark recesses and the dank, cold caves and caverns of our existence. So the shadow is a very, very important part of us. And to, so we have to be able to access it, be able to know what it's telling us, and then be able to convert that energy into something we can use. Those are the three things we need to be able to do with shadow. So we can't leap over the shadow material and go straight from conscious, oh, I threw a temper tantrum, I was bad, to another... Uh, seemingly unconscious action which says, now I've got to be good. Okay? When we do that, what we're doing is denying ourselves access to the strength that the unconscious material would give us. So if you're listening today and you've been confused about what the shadow is, what we want to talk about first is how it affects us. What happens with shadow material is it creeps up on us, it sneaks up on us, and it becomes a behavior. How that happens is like this. Suppose I've met somebody I'm really, really attracted to, but every time I get in their presence, I just go mute. I can't talk. I swallow my words. I can't think of anything to say. I'm generally a very witty, funny, happy, um, wise person, but when I get around this person, I just can't talk. What is up with that? So I can look at that behavior and I can say, well, I just go dumb in their presence. And then just go, well, I guess it's just because I'm so attracted and I want to have them so bad and la, 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 la. But the truth is there's something there that if I looked at it, it could give me more information about myself. Okay, so what is it? Well, it's different for different people, but let's just pretend here for a second that it could be something specific. If, I'm, if I am suddenly going shy in front of someone, what is that? Well, if I look back on all the other times in my life when I've been shy, it's generally been related to a message I got about myself that said I just wasn't worth it. 
I just, you know, maybe my mom raised me to believe that I wasn't worth much. Maybe she criticized me all the time. Maybe she belittled me all the time. Maybe, you know, so we're going there. We're going to the childhood stuff, okay? All right, fine. Now what? So, so now I know that sometimes I hear voices in my own head that sound just like mom that tell me that I'm not worth much. All right, that's all good. It's not enough, though. Um, what else? <clears throat> maybe I've accepted for myself an identity. We talked about identities on some, a couple of other shows here where we put on a mask and costume that seems to fit the environment we grew up in, that seems to meet the environment's needs, that seems to negate our authenticity, and also becomes who we think we are. Maybe my identity is the scapegoat. Maybe I just think that I'm supposed to go away or else I just carry responsibility for other people's needs. And if I want something myself, well, I just shouldn't have it. Don't know exactly what that message is, but getting in touch with it is going to be real important. And then what do I do? Okay, I've gotten in touch with now. I know that my mom gave me these messages. Now I know that I've come upon an identity that has, is helping me give myself the same messages. I'm parenting myself the same way my mother parented me. Okay, got that. That makes some sense. Now what? All right, now I have to go inside of that part of me that I consider to be ugly, that I consider to be the part that my mother would have rejected and that I've been rejecting and learn to love it. I have to go into that part of me and say, who are you? Show me yourself in the light. What do you look like? What do you talk like? What do you act like? Who are you? And I have to develop some compassion for that part of me. And I have to say, oh, I see. There's a part of me that's ugly, that I think of as ugly. There's a part of me that doesn't dress well, that's awkward, that maybe doesn't please people in a big way, that doesn't do right, so to speak. And that part of me has been hidden down in the, in the closet of my being, and it has told me that it you know, doesn't want to ever be seen because nobody would want to see it. So I have to go down in there with it, and I have to sit with it, and I have to listen to it, and I have to learn what it's trying to tell me. And once I've done that, then I can pull that part of me out into the light, and I can say, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to speak up for you. I'm going to be your she-wolf. I'm going to be the one who protects you and parents you in a way that your, my mother didn't parent you. Okay? Now we're talking about something we can do. Now, how does that happen in the real world? Okay, so now I'm attracted to uh, Mr. Wright, okay, and I'm standing there with him, and that part of me that says, oh, that's ugly, you need to hide that, don't speak, don't, uh-uh, don't let him know who you are, comes up, and I can say to it, that is the lie. The truth is, there's not a single part of me that's not valuable, and especially you, I want you to come out of the closet I want you to speak up, and whatever you have to say is going to be valued by me, by me, key words. And so maybe it says something that's kind of what other people might consider to be awkward or a little bit, you know, embarrassed or whatever. But the more you practice doing that, the more you let that person come out and say what it really feels and thinks, the more you're going to be able to speak in front of this person. And if this Mr. Wright really loves you, if he's really Mr. Wright, He's going to love that part of you too, okay? If he's not, he's Mr. Wrong, all right? So what we're talking about is that we can, we can love ourselves. We can pull those parts of us out that we've hidden in the dark and pull them out. Now, what would that ugly part of me that's been hiding in the shadows give me as a strength? Well, 
the truth is there is strength and vulnerability. The first thing I can think of that that ugly part of me might want to give me is a voice for my vulnerability. And here we go, a voice for my authenticity. If that part of me that's ugly is part of my authenticity, then I need it. If that part of me is a part of me that is vulnerable, then I need it. Why? Because when I can feel what's vulnerable inside me, then I can respond to that. So, for example, if I go out, uh, let's do the date thing again. If I go out on a date with somebody and they hurt my feelings and I notice it, then I can say, hmm, this seems to be happening in a pattern. I'm not sure I want to keep dating this person because they're probably not going to be able to just let me be me. Do you see how now I've made a very wise decision out of what was formerly considered to be ugly and bad inside of me? So now I've converted my shadow material into a strength. Not only that, but I can also look even deeper and to find some divine intent under there as well. Divine intent might have me be able to listen to that vulnerability when it says, I want to what? I want to be a singer. I want to be um, a writer. I want to be able to uh, be a, on, on stage. I want to take pictures. I'm an artist. You see what I'm saying? It might have a voice in there that goes along with that little vulnerable, ugly person that's been hidden in the closet that says, you know, I'd like to have some fun. And fun for me is fill in the blank. So you see what I'm saying is that what we can, what we can get here is multi-layered. It's multi-layered. It can give us direction for our lives. Why would we want to miss that? Ergo, the shadow material is extremely important, and yes, it does ultimately come down to some doing behaviors, but I really want to caution you. You can't get to the doing behaviors until you've gone through the discovery process to find out what it is that the shadow is trying to tell you. Because what it has to say is everything. What it has to say is everything about what you can do with it. So. If you're not listening, you're not going to know. And if you just try to immediately turn it into um, doing behavior, something you're supposed to do, well, then you haven't taken the time to find out whether or not what you're going to do is even true for you. I won't say right for you because that word is way overused and it's extremely relative to whoever's saying it. So what is right for me might not be right for you. And I've said this before, Osama bin Laden thought it was right to blow up the trade towers. I happen to disagree. So you see, that's how relative the term right is. We don't know right and wrong, but we do and can learn what is true and false. And that is the process of uh, discovering your shadow material. And that's why that shadow is so important, because it's all about you discovering you. Who are you? What have you come here to do? Did you come here to say, I'm going to put that, part, that parts of me away in, this, in the closet and pretend they're not really there? Or did you come here to be true to yourself, fulfill yourself? What I say is the one and only thing that I absolutely 100% own is me. That's it. I don't own another single thing. And if I throw away me in favor of you or some object or some goal, or some pie in the sky that's not even valid for me, then I've thrown away the only thing I own. 
what good is that? So you see, what we're talking about today is that the shadow is extremely important. And we're going to talk some more about that after the break. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desk, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, we're back. This is Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living. And today we're talking about the shadow and what it is and how it can be useful to us. You know, there's a wonderful story in the Bible, and whatever else you think about the Bible, it's got some good stories in it that, are, uh, that we can use for metaphor, 
for what we're talking about today. And one of those stories is the story of Gideon. Now, I don't know where this is in the Bible. I can't tell you of chapter and verse, but you can look it up online. Go to Google, put in Gideon, you'll find it. Um, but the story goes something like this. I'm not going to quote it exactly. It goes something like this. Gideon is called upon to go and fight the Midianites. First, he's called upon to knock down the, the, the altars to Baal. Baal was a god that was not supposed to be worshipped back then. Okay, that was the story. So, okay, he was supposed to go knock down the, the, the altars, but he didn't want to do that in the light of day because he was afraid that if he did, the people would kill him. And so he... He didn't want to do it. So this angel comes to see him, okay? So the angel says, you know, go and go do this thing. And he says, yeah, you think you're with me? Well, then how come all this trouble has been happening to us? What, what about all the miracles that the Israelites got on their journey across the wilderness to the promised land? How come I'm not getting any of those great big old miracles, right? So, so the angel says, okay, fine. And so uh, first what Gideon has to do is prove to himself that it really is an angel. So he puts this fleece up and the barn, and he says, you know, if the fleece is wet in the morning, then I'll know an angel came. So the fleece is wet in the morning. He goes, oh, maybe an angel came, maybe it didn't. So he says, okay, well, if the fleece is wet again tonight, then I'll believe there's an angel. And I think he does that a couple times. And finally he goes, okay, yeah, right, you're an angel. Well, if you're really an angel, well, then I should really be scared, right? So maybe I should run and hide, and maybe I should, you know, like, get you some food or something, do something really cool for you because you might be an angel. And Oh, my God, I've seen the face of God, so now what do I do? Oh, my God, I'm going to die. So the angel assures him that, no, you're not going to die. And you don't have to get me any food. Don't worry about it. It's okay. What I want you to do is knock down the altars of Baal. So finally, Gideon goes, and but he goes in the dark of night to knock down the, the altars of Baal because he doesn't want anybody to see him, right? So then he says... Um, you know, he's supposed to go fight the Midianites. So then he says, uh, I can't do that. I don't have enough men, and I'm going to lose. And, you know, God's against the Israelites because look at all this bad stuff that's been happening to us, and yada, yada, yada. So then the angel comes again and says, don't worry about it. I got your back. You're going to be fine. God's going to win the war. Don't worry about it. So he goes out, and he gets another tribe of people, an army of those people, and brings them to join his army. And then he says, okay, now we can win the war of the Midianites. Well, then he gets scared again. He says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I need another army to go and win the war with the Inuit. So he goes to get this other tribe's army and brings them to join. And so he can fight against the Midianite, and he gets stopped. They're on the way, you know, dun-dun-dun, they're going to go and fight the Midianites, win the war, right? They get stopped. And God tells him, probably through this angel again, that... He cannot go with all these people because if he goes with all these people, then he won't really get it that it's God that's going to win the war and not him, right? So he sends back all the tribes, the Malachites and the whatever kites were, were with them, and he, he, he says, okay, now what? I can't fight with just this poor little group of people. And then he's told to do something even stranger, he is told to send his troops down to the river and let them drink water. And the ones who drink the water out of the cup of their hand, he is to take those with them and fight the Midianites. These that were drinking water out of the cup of their hand were barbarians. They were the ones who were just basically wild men. They could live in nature and be fine. Those were the ones he was to take to, with him to win the war with the Midianites. There were only 300 of them. 
And he was like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose the war. But he went anywhere, he fought the war, and, and won. Okay? And from that he got that, okay, it's not my strength, but divine strength that helps me win the war. This is an exact story of a man trying to walk through his shadow material. Okay? Whatever else it represents to you about faith or whatever, whatever your beliefs are, whether it's Christian, Buddhist, um, you know, um, Islamic, or whatever, whatever you believe is fine. The story ha- is a great analogy, a great metaphor for walking through shadow material. Here's a man who's terrified, and he believes that this angel has come here to hurt him. Okay? Really, an angel, in metaphor, is representative of a message, a divine message. Okay? So here's Gideon. He's got this divine message that's come to talk to him. Now, where does divine messages come from? They come from the shadow. Why do they come from the shadow? Because we don't want to know about them in our conscious life. So that's why we have angels. We have these things that we see, and we call them angels. Or we have these things that we hear, and we call them angels. Or, you know, all of that. Whether or not you've seen a real angel, whatever that means to you, that's fine. I'm not trying to disturb any of those thoughts. What I am trying to say is beyond everything else that an angel represents, it represents a message from the divine. And so he got a message from the divine from his own shadow, and he's scared to death of it because he thinks it's come to hurt him. Now, what does that say about what else is in the shadow? One thing that's in the shadow is the divine. It's talking to him. The other thing in the shadow is his great, terrible paranoia that he's got that says, God is out to get me. Now, there's a victim identity for you. God is out to get me. We all feel that way every now and then, don't we? So, okay, so here's Gideon. He thinks God's out to get him, and he has to take this angel, the message from the divine, through several tests before he begins to believe it. And finally he begins to believe it, but what does he do? Even though he believes it's a divine message, he still doesn't quite trust it because he says, I'm going to knock down the altars of Baal in the middle of the night when no one can see me. Shadow. This is him working in his shadow. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to know what I'm up to. I don't want anybody else to know what I'm up to. Okay? That's the shadow. Now, whatever else you think about the altars of Baal, for this story, it's inconsequential. So, but then he goes on, and he's supposed to fight this war, right? And again, this is, this is not a story about war, in my view, and maybe to some of you, but it's not about war, in my view. What I'm using this story for is a metaphor about the shadow, okay? So... It isn't about whether or not he's going to fight with the Midianites. It's about the fact that he does not trust the divine message within him because he's got another part of that shadow that's filled with terror. Okay? So the part of him that's filled with terror is saying, don't listen to that guy talking to you from the darkness behind your ears. Don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen to me. I'm your fear. I've been protecting you all your life. I know what to do. Listen to me. Okay? That's what's happening inside this one man. All right? And so what he learns ultimately out of all of this is that the big armies, well, those are just security blankets. And what are the big armies going to do? They're going to keep him from realizing that it's the divine within him that is going to win the war. He can, he can get himself all these big old security blankets, and all they do is keep the voice of the divine out. Okay? So that's a man struggling with his own shadow material again who's, who's trying very hard not to hear the voice of the divine within him because another voice within his shadow speaks louder, speaks clearer, is more trusted. So 
then what he learns ultimately is that the barbarians, the barbarians are the one who win the war. Now, what is a barbarian? A barbarian in metaphor is somebody that's the wild man who knows nature. What is our nature? What have I called it during this time we've been talking? The divine. The divine is our nature. And these barbarians can walk that terrain without fear. They can walk in the natural woods without fear. They know what we're up to. They can, they can you know, creep around the rocks and climb the trees and find food and forage the forests for food and you know, clothing and all the things they need because they know nature. They were the ones who won the war. Why? Because it's natural. Because what's natural inside of us is our own divine nature. And so what this, the moral of this story is I'm looking at it is, I don't know what, there's probably a billion different interpretations of this story, but I'm using it for, for my metaphor. So that's what we're talking about today. My metaphor, not yours. <laughs> we're talking about the metaphor that says the shadow material has within it all kinds of things. And, and we need to be listening for what it says because if we listen to the leadership of the divine voice at the bottom level, after we've unburied everything else, there's the divine voice that says, trust your nature. Trust the divine in you. It will guide you. It will get you what you need. Now, if we take that literally, what we, mean, what we find is that a man had to, take off, he had to take off his fear to prove to himself that he, he could actually hear the divine. That's one of the things we go through today, isn't it? We have to figure out whether or not the voice we're hearing in our own minds, whether that takes the form of a physical auditory voice or whether it takes the form of a, a, just an understanding or a wise comment or some kind of resonance that goes, oh, yeah, that's it. Whatever that is, we have to be able to trust that it's really coming from the divine. And sometimes in order to do that, like Gideon, we have to test it. But we can't ever test it if we're not willing to dialogue with it there's a key to working with the shadow. Gideon dialogued with this angel. He talked with the angel, and the angel talked back. Okay? We can talk to what we have inside of us and hear back from it. And sometimes what we hear back from it is really murky stuff that comes from either childhood, maybe another life, comes from somewhere else besides the divine, but it comes. And we need to hear it because it could be something that's blocking our path. And if it's blocking our path, then we need to hear from it and understand what's up with that. And sometimes the very blockage is important. Sometimes we need our path blocked. Okay? So the point is that he's dialoguing with this angel. He's getting it. That yes, indeed, he can trust this divine message. So that's a part of working with shadow material. Listening, dialoguing, learning to trust. We're going to be back in just a minute after the break to talk about the shadow one more time before we go. This is Andrea Matthews, and this is Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. 
When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Welcome back. This is our last segment of Authentic Living today. This is Andrea Matthews, and we've been talking about the shadow. 
What we talked about last time was the story of Gideon and how that story presented us with lots of different metaphors about the shadow. We also have talked about how the shadow has multi-layers and how we can learn to access one layer and then another and then another and then another until we finally get to the bottom line of the I am, what I call the I am, or the divine nature. And it can guide us. It can lead us to places we never thought were or even imagined before. Um, it can lead us to new uh, nuances of meaning about our lives, about what's happening in the very moments of our lives, to really tune in, to pay attention, to smell new smells and sense new senses and, and, and learn new things about the interiority, interiority of ourselves. The other thing is that it appears. It appears at various points in our lives, and I think it's a real important for us to maybe know where the entrances are into the shadow. And I think that, that piece is a little more information that we can get today in this last little segment here. The, the shadow appears in many different ways, and every time it does, it's an opportunity for us to go through that door and get more information about ourselves. Okay, so how does it appear? It appears in what we call passive-aggressive behavior. Uh, authentic behavior looks like this. I have a feeling. I think about that feeling. I allow that feeling to come completely into my conscious awareness. I experience it. I, I think about it and try to understand what it's trying to tell me. Then I make a plan about it, and then if necessary, I act on it. The last two may not be necessary. I may just need to sit with it. Maybe that's the only plan. But, but ultimately, if it becomes action, it will do that after the entire process of discovery has taken place. But... With passive-aggressive behavior, what happens is I have a feeling. I don't think about it. I don't experience it. I don't make a plan about it. I just act on it without talking about it or thinking about it or planning about it. So the action in passive-aggressive would be sarcasm or I make a funny joke but then tell you, that later, tell you later that, oh, no, I was just joking, but really I meant it. Or I may put up and put up and put up and put up until finally I just explode. And the explosion tells the truth of what's really in my shadow, but I don't want to know that. I just want to tell you, oh, I didn't mean that. I'm feeling really, really sorry that I exploded all over you and let me clean that up and let me give you breakfast in bed for the next two weeks and assuage my guilt. So that presents as an opportunity instead of doing all that to say, okay, what am I really feeling here? Um, it can come up when um, uh, passive-aggressive can be all about I'm, I'm going to um, be late to a meeting that I'm supposed to go to. Um, my boss, I don't really like him, or uh, I don't really like the job he's assigned me right now, so I'm not going to show up to that meeting till 10 minutes late. Scary stuff, but it is the self-saboteur that is our shadow. So we can, we can pay attention and listen to that. What is it telling me? What's going on inside me? What am I up to? And we can get information about ourselves. Um, another way that it presents is through um, our emotions. What, what is an emotion really saying to me? What, what message am I giving to myself that has created this emotion? Then we can peel that back and peel that back and peel that back and peel that back until we find something else. Aggressiveness is also a way that the shadow presents itself. We've talked about passive aggressiveness, that's sarcasm, and little ways of subtly letting people know that we don't like what, we, what they're doing, but we're not going to really tell them up front. Aggressiveness is whatever comes up, comes out. But it comes out before there's any real experiencing of the feeling or any real thinking about the feeling, processing the feeling, and maybe making a plan about that feeling. So 
I'm, if I'm aggressive, I really want to hit you, so I hit you. I really want to marry you, so I marry you. I'm re- you see what I'm saying? I'm not really having any discovery process. I'm just going straight to action, straight to talk before, before I'm thinking, before I'm noticing, before I'm experiencing. So it's really important to stop there and go, okay, what's happening? What am I doing here? What about those times when, um, you know, I have people come in many times who get drunk and they will say all kinds of things or do all kinds of things during that drunken episode that they later regret. And, of course, their partners are wounded and and they come in and say, oh, well, I didn't really mean all that, honey. Now let's just forget about it. Well, it doesn't happen that way. What we say when we're in in um, an altered mood is very often coming straight up from shadow material. So if we look at that and really try to, digest it, process and digest it, then what we're going to find is something deeper, something more true than just, oh, let's just forget about that. Can't you forgive me now? Hurry up. Um, So that process is important. When we do things we don't understand, I've had people come in and say, I do not know why I had that, you know, one night stand with that person. Or I do not understand why I quit that job that day. Or I don't understand why... I, um, you know, can't sleep at night. I'm not even worried about anything, but I can't sleep at night. I, I don't understand my own behaviors. Those are great opportunities to explore the unconscious, to explore the shadow. What's in there? What's really going on? If you can't sleep at night, get up. Get out a journal. Start writing. Let it just bleed out of your pen instead of trying to process it and have that editor come in and say, oh, don't say it that way. Say it this way. Oh, somebody might read that, so I better not write that. Just let it come out. Don't stop it. Let it come out, and you might just find that there's some real important material. And like we said, it has layers. So you might get one thing, and then from that you get something else, and from that you get something else, and from that you get something else, until finally you get down to the bottom line where you're getting a divine message. That is where the shadow can ultimately take us because that's what's ultimately in there. And, you know, think about it. What if there were to come a time when we were to be able to really, all of us, Get conscious of shadow material. Not only the shadow material, but the mask and the costume that the ego wants us to wear. See, we got three things. We got the ego. We got the ego's mask and costume that presents as a whole personality. And we got the shadow, which who knows what's in there. We got these three things going on. Now, um, uh, Sigmund Freud said there were three things, the ego, the id, and the superego. Well, those last two are kind of scary to me. What I (laughs) The id is the wild man, which I do think resides in our unconscious and our shadow material. I think it's a very important energy that we need to listen to. As I said in the story about Gideon, that barbarian might be getting us in touch with the natural person we are. But the superego is that moralistic part of us that wants to restrain the id, according to Freud. I don't agree with that. I do think we have a moralistic part of us, but I don't think it's a superego. I think it's just the ego. And it comes from our society, which if you want to call that a superego, yeah. But the super, our society is the one we've, we've bought into. We came here raw, and we got taught to believe a bunch of stuff that may or may not be true. So when we're looking at shadow material, we get to put aside some of that stuff that's not really true and find out what really is true. And that's the whole purpose, finding out who you really, really are. So today we've been talking about the shadow, and next week we're going to be talking about cease, striving, and know. This is Andrea Matthews. I've loved talking to you today. Just remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. This is Authentic Living. 
see you next week. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.